Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Beer Guys Radio. We're in the field this week, Brian. We are, yes. We're out. We are at Terrapin Brewery Atlanta. We're at the Battery at uh, SunTrust Park. Truist Park now, isn't it, Spike? It's Truist, Truist Park yeah. now. The Battery, we're here for the uh, Battery Beer Fest uh, with Terrapin. Uh, it's a hot day here. Super hot. Yeah, like 98. And if you get a little over a little bit of clouds and a little bit of breeze, it's not too bad. But that sun comes out, and you know it's every bit. Uh, that's why we're doing the show inside, right? Uh, 98. Yes, degrees. we are. Right. Yes, but uh, I am Tim Dennis again. We are here at Terrapin. Brian Hewitt, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm cooler than I would be if I were out in the direct sun, which I'm yeah, not. So you're that's, always cool, though, Brian. I, I try to keep it cool yeah, even yeah. when I'm burning hot. So we've got Spike Bukowski with us, co-founder of Terrapin. We've got Chad Martin with us. He's the lead brewer of uh, the Terrapin uh, Brewery Atlanta. I want. I keep wanting to say Brew Lab, but Terrapin Brewery Atlanta is that. That's the official. I believe that's the official, official name, approved yeah. by marketing name of the brewery. Okay. Right from what right. I heard. So, and yeah. that's where we're yeah. at inside, where it's cool-ish and uh, having some beers. It's uh, it's great, guys. Thanks for time. joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. You know, you Good can't be get any more local than drinking at like where it's brewed, right? Well, I mean, it's. I think the brew house is probably, what, 10, 15 feet away? So if there wasn't a window in our way, we could reach out and touch the tanks, we basically, could. right now. But From you know, the source. That brings up an interesting question. We had a discussion uh, last week. What is local? And they were the brewery, which brewery was it that they were referring to? Alpine and Green Flash, right? I think so, yeah. So Alpine and Green Flash, of course, are SoCal Brewery. San Diego, sure. and they look at them as, you know, San Diego has a lot of pride. These are local brewers, but... Those beers are actually more local to us now than they are right. people in San Diego. You know, so with the, I think it's Till right now. It was Afria, but Sweetwater, yep. Green Flash, Alpine. We've been down to the Sweetwater Brewery in Atlanta, and we've got Alpine and Green Flash on tap there. Right. You know, they're local beers for us now. Yep. But they said San Diego still, you know, they still maintain a presence there, sure. and they still consider themselves San Diego beer. So uh, many years ago, I had a conversation with somebody who lived in Augusta, for those not familiar with the lay of the land in Georgia, close to the South Carolina border. And they were saying that breweries that they had across the state line in South Carolina were much more local beers than beers brewed in Atlanta. And, you know, and so people are saying, well, Georgia beer, you're saying this is local because it's a Georgia beer. But a brewery in South Carolina is much more local to me than a brewery in Atlanta. So, Spike, I'm going to ask you. What makes a beer a local beer? I mean, I, I think if you asked me that question when I got into the industry back in 96, 97, it would be probably in a 10-mile radius, okay. right, in yes, Atlanta, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So now with, what, over 130 locals we have? like 180 now. Yeah, 180? it's nuts now, like yeah. Right. yeah. So I'm thinking statewide, right? I think anything okay. in the state would be my local brewery. Um, you know, us, you know, growing up as, you know, Terrapin in 2002, where we had to grow by distribution, it was a different story, right? So in order for us to go, I mean, there was no people coming to our brewery, buying our beers, taking cases to go. So it was hard to grow as a local brewery. We had to expand to other markets. But I think with today's favorable laws that you can open, gosh, a one-two barrel system and, you know, it can be in a five-mile radius in your local neighborhood. But I think, personally, I think anything in your home state would be local. That's a local beer. Chad, how about you, sir? What is a local beer? I would have to agree with Spike. Um, I might open it up a little bit more to southeastern regional, kind of where we are. So if I see a brew, brew, sorry, if I, if I see a beer brewed in, in Tennessee, South Carolina, or Florida, um, I still kind of consider that to me moderately regional, okay, local. sure. So... I go a little bit off outside the state, but to, to Spike's point, anything that's within, I'd say, driving distance. Okay. Spike, is Green Flash still a local San Diego beer? Can they claim it? Where is it brewed currently? <laughs> I, I think it, I think Longmont, where are they I opening? Colorado. 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 I think Colorado. And I, so. th- I think that uh, the, the big part of the story was even though they're from San Diego, mm-hmm. the actual brewing no longer takes place yeah. there. Yeah. But they do still have a, pres- a local have a presence. presence. I mean, I, I think uh, I think I would be a hypocrite if I said no, just because when we were coming up, we contract brewed five years before we launched, right, or before we were a local beer in Georgia, right? So first, for the first couple years, we were actually brewing in Atlanta at Dogwood Brewing Company. Okay. Yeah. Um, after we started growing in capacity, they couldn't take on our brand anymore. So we had to look up and down the East Coast 
to find another brewery. And we were actually brewing at Frederick Brewing Company in Frederick, Maryland, right? So at the time, was I local? I mean, on our package, it said Athens, Georgia, but I was brewing it in in Maryland. So I would have to say, according to my, you know, tenure, I would have to say, yeah. And it it definitely does become something that I think it's open to interpretation. Because one, we know Wild Heaven, when we first got into them, they Mm -hmm. were, I think they were Thomas Creek. Up in South Carolina was I brewing there, so. and they had what's the quad, Brian? I'm forget Escaton. Escaton, yes, yeah. love that beer. Sure. And you know, uh, Eric and uh, and those guys were out doing events locally. They yep. had the local presence. They were there. Their beer was just brewed up there. So I mean, there's really a moving target of, as what's local. Yeah. If you have a local presence, if you're involved in the local beer scene, if you're out at local beer fest, you're you're supporting local charities, events, or whatever. You know, and I will say one thing that that kind of, and and this may speak to what you were saying to back up a little bit. There's some, there are some liquors right now, some some distilled spirits that they're talking about how local they are. But I know mm-hmm. they're bringing in vats of pre-made, and all they're doing is putting it into a bottle. Good so. point, and that's where I was going to go to next, right? So you know, if you're starting a new distillery, right? Let's just call it. In Athens, because I'm from Athens, right? If, right. If, you're, if I'm starting a new distillery, when I open my doors, I can't say I've got a five-year-old bourbon. It's got to be coming from yeah. MGP or somewhere else. Absolutely. Right? I could do right. vodka and gin all day long, but at the end of the day, and I respect that. I mean, right? You're going you're gonna to do the best, best you can to get drinkers to your door. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that you're also producing your own juice, putting it in barrels, and then five years later you go, hey, now I've got a five-year bourbon from my facility. Right. I, I think, um, gosh, what's the one out of Tennessee? Uh, Uncle Nearest. Okay. Great oh, yeah. example. Yeah. Right. So I would assume they're probably going to have their own juice coming out of those barrels very, very soon. High West. I mean, what a, yeah. what a success story that has been. I mean, High West bourbon was all contract NGP, and I think they have sold, you know, a tremendous a lot. amount. Right. I think, so I think the genius there was blending of, of different things. Yeah. So like, that's really, yeah. Uh, that was my understanding. And that's where the yeah. art is. I mean, uh, I, and I'm sure we'll talk about my travels later, but I just found out, you know, I just came back from Canada, and the interesting part, you know, when you're in Kentucky, when you're making bourbon or rye, you're mashing in 51% rye to make a rye beer, yeah. or, you know, 51% corn, this and that. They do it totally different. It's 100%. So they were distilling, right? They were mashing 100% corn and distilling. They were mashing in 100% rye and then distilling, right? And then, same thing, what they would do instead of Putting it all in the mash, they would blend at the end. Okay. Ah, blend okay. the results. Very, yeah, better interesting. Con- better control. It's actually pretty smart. Yeah, and I had never it. heard of that. I was just like, mind blown. But like, it, well. in a way, in a way, the people that do it ahead of time with the uh, with the grain may look a little bit more like artistic or or, yep. or special, but. Like I think that if I were doing it, knowing how I am, I would definitely like I want to see the end product and put it together. And if one of them doesn't work, I'm just going to redo it or reconsider the blend. You can't do that if you've mixed all the malt together already. And and honestly, for me, it's I don't care how you got there. Is it good or not? I is mean, you look good? at you look at like sure. Trifontaine, right? I mean, these guys are blenders. It's fantastic. Okay, you may get your juice from somewhere else or four different other breweries, but your art is in your blending. And if it tastes fantastic, get on you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, I pr- I definitely want to appreciate what they do. They're one of my favorites. Without so, a doubt, you know, they yeah. know what they're doing there. Yeah. So, Chad, are you bugging Spike to get a little distillery here, a little little on site distilled spirits? If we had more room on site, maybe. But we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're pretty, pretty packed tied in there, we're, aren't you? We're yeah. pretty tight yeah. as, as I, is. I have seen little tiny like copper stills. You could probably fit on that counter I'm looking at over there. So. Release a half gallon batch. Get there, you a so couple there. of them. Yeah, a little. Uh, <laughs> One one gallon at a time. Just little yeah. little barrels about the size of a twelve ounce can Perfect. aging. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than willing to give it a try. Our, our brewery <laughs> is temperature controlled, so yeah. yeah. keep a barrel in there. Perfect. Put one little tiny barrel back, and in five years, release your bourbon there. So you're, you're <laughs> well, true story, there, and so. and honestly, I don't think this is public knowledge. I mean, it, it will be now after I say this, but for our twentieth anniversary, we made two batches of Old Snapper which is our barley wine that we did. We took one batch, and we put it in cans. Our second batch, we actually sent it to a distillery down the road, and it's now aging, and I would hope we're going to bring it out 
for our 25th anniversary. Oh, this is so a barley wine that you distilled. That and is aged? the barley okay. wine that we distilled and is now aging. Spike, when did to- Dos Cocos release initially? Oh man, that's a lot of brain cells ago. Um, that's got to be oh, six, four? seven years. Oh, oh, that long ago? Oh, was it that? Four, no, not oh, for 14, maybe Forts, 15 yeah. in that area? I, was I it oh, 14? So. It, was yep. lo- it was longer ago than, than I thought because uh, that was about the time I was introduced to Terrapin, whenever, okay. whenever Dos Cocos. That was the first yep. one I remember. That was, uh, uh, what was it, Side Project? Is that what that yeah, was? So yeah, so we used to do those in 22-ounce bombers. Yeah. When, remember when yeah. those were oh, all yes, the rage? Absolutely. Yeah, so that was probably on our side project series. Yeah. Yep. And, and you had the boxed ones, too. Didn't, was that you that did so those? So the boxed, um, so when the Georgia Theater burnt down. The theater, yeah. That yeah. was those theater sessions that we did. We did four different ones to celebrate the uh, the 40-year or the, the, the revolution, or the revolution, the as the theater progressed, right? So first it was, I believe it was a YMCA, then it was a movie theater. Uh, I gotta remember. So Belgian double. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, sorry. I, one of them. This, one of them was we'll like take old, the time, old iron so sides or something like that. Oh, iron tanker. Iron, iron tanker. Yep. So that was when it was a YMCA. So there was a YMCA in that building, and in the bottom or the basement of the building. The pool was made out of iron, iron tanker. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was the first one. Um, Obviously, sound check pills we did for the the movie theater. That wasn't even cool at the time. I know. A check pilsner, that wasn't cool back then. Not at all. Uh, And then, obviously, we did uh, hoptaneous combustion for when it burnt down, and I am missing one. I can't remember because I tried to get all four of them, and I think I got got the... uh, the Ironsides one? Iron and I, Tankard. Yeah. Iron Tankard. I did get sound check, and I'm not yeah. sure about the other ones. I think it was, so, just, it was harder to find them because that's when beer was special, and it was like these limited editions were hard to come by because they disappeared so quick. Correct. Yeah. Since we're talking about vintage Terrapin beers and that, Brian, you want to turn around and, and, and grab something there? Do you have a preference as to I which don't. one? I don't. You go. So we thought this would be a fun time. We've got some vintage Terrapin beers with Fantastic. us. Fantastic. So, and we thought this would be fun. To open up and share with people, I don't even know what Brian bought. He brought. He's got. He just uh, here. Let's put them all out. We'll, we'll Spike. We'll let you choose. So we have a tiramisu. Ooh, a tiramisu. Yeah. We have a. We have a cinnamon rolled wake and bake. Yes, yes. So there's one. And what's that one, Brian? This is. That's a tart uh, wake and bake. I think tart cherry. Tart cherry wake and, wake and, and bake. bake. Yeah. What should we open, Spike? Man, what are the years on those things? 2015 on the large ones yep. and 2016 on the smaller ones. So let's do the big ones first. Yeah. All right. And it hopefully, so funny story um, <laughs> about these, you know, obviously they were wax dipped, right? So we were wax dipping probably the first four or five iterations of these beers. They would come out every year and everybody would complain that they couldn't open the your bottles. Wax, your wax is awful. Wa- For real. It's the most intense wax I've right. ever encountered. Well, we didn't understand that we weren't using bottle wax. We were using like this plastic wax that you couldn't open. So hopefully those are the ones that you can actually. This is a little softer. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. I, what, what, wasn't one of them scented too? I think the cinnamon yes. one. Yeah, yeah, scented. yeah we like, double dipped and added the flavors. <laughs> oh man, it was crazy. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because the cinnamon's my favorite and I remember Christmas morning, 2014 or 2015, whenever that came out, and it was like, oh, this is gonna be my special Christmas morning beer. <laughs> and I remember trying to open it for 30 minutes and yeah. losing my marbles over yeah. this thing. I'm like, this is supposed to be a happy, you know, joyous occasion, and I am, I am frustrated. I haven't even opened the, the, the bottle yet. Right. Foiled by Spike. Foiled. Exactly. Yes. yes. It's it's such All a right, it's just. such an aesthetically pleasing pre- presentation when you see it, and then you go you're the one that actually has to open it, and you're like, oh my goodness. I gotta so, say yeah. that the appearance of the wax I really enjoy because it's thick. Like right. you, yep. I've seen a lot of bottles, and they kind of set my expectation for other wax dip bottles because I'd see them and like the wax on that's so thin. Right. The terrapin one used to be like it added girth to it. You could <laughs> measure the extra girth of it. So. Well, I mean, they were all hand dipped, man. It was uh, yeah. we had an assembly line going, but yeah, that was fun. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of depressing to me. Uh, you know, when I got into the brewing industry, 
in the 90s, you know, traveling to California. And that's all that was on the shelf for 22-ounce bombers. The large format stuff. All yeah. of them. Wow, yeah. you can smell this. I can smell this from it, here. Right? Out of the bottle. It's fantastic. The, the, the flavor, you know what? I actually get some sherry notes out of it in a very pleasant way. And the aroma is still... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's uh, aged in a very... Uh, a very interesting way, a nice way. I think. So we're we're drinking tiramisuhu, yeah, definitely sherry, a little bit of pipe tobacco, but I mean it's you know it's sure, aged, there is right? a little so tobacco there. Yeah, sure. so yes. you're going to get that. I mean, An enjoyable just... sweet tobacco though, yeah, yeah, sherry sweet tobacco. That's super nice. It's a... 2015 tiramisuhu, which yeah. is uh, built on your base. The base is is muhu, yeah, muhu stout. Mm. Correct. Yep. A, so. a little bit of a dark chocolate background for that yep. and uh, it's a little bit of oxidation there's a little bit of that in there but i think that's expressing itself more as sherry than as cardboard or anything well, like that well i mean if you had a forehead maheen uh filling these bottles it'd be a little oxidized as well yeah <laughs> yeah but no yeah. it's held up it's held up really really nicely you, that's that's super cool to totally be expected too and to your point if you can if you're the oxidation goes towards sherry versus cardboard and that's a, that's a big win that is a, that's a huge win because <laughs> yeah, i don't get any cardboard at all i get it's a pipe, I get tobacco and sherry hint a hint of that uh that uh old paper a hint of it like hint a small it? amount so but for real the the sherry overwhelms it because yep. it's so sherry like yeah. I, the, the crazy thing is, and not even in preparation for the show, I was at dinner uh, last night, and I had some sherry. This tastes so much like the sherry I had. That's, <laughs> that's why awesome. I immediately thought sherry. Just so. a little skosh of oxidation mm-hmm. there. Just, just, just a touch, so. just a touch. But you know, like, but that's not bad in a beer that's what 2016 years old. Yeah. 15. 15. 15. 15. Yeah. So there you go. Well, it's, so. especially for a beer that's almost more of a dessert, you yeah. know, decadent yeah. style. You're going to drink it at the end of the night. Nancy Palmer made a statement one time when um, SB85 passed we, yep. in two, yep. 2017. We had Nancy on the show, and I had a bottle of beer from Dogwood Yeah, from 99, maybe. Okay. So 15 or what? I can't math. 18 right. years old. Or sure. 17, Sounds 18. Good. But she said, this tastes like an old library in a good way. And I'm like, you know what? I get that. I see oh, yeah, exactly what you're talking about there. So, yep. yeah, she, she got that one. There's a little bit of that in, in this beer, too. A little too. bit, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very nice. pleased with how this one turned like out. A, like a 1975 Webster Dictionary exactly. I'm picking up, I think. In, yeah. like, the end section. Right around yeah. the end section. Yeah, right around the end section. Yeah. Well, it's Muhu, so M, M, M. Yeah, See, I knew M. it. That's, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I it was pretty that. close. Yeah. You know, very maybe close. next year it'll, it'll graduate to the M. <laughs> That's right. That's or it might go to yeah. the P, I yeah. don't know, yeah. or the O or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> Those, the, I saw someone comment on a, on a beer review. No, this was a cigar review somebody did. And they made the comment that it tasted like wet river stones. And someone who someone saw it that was not into the reviews and like yeah. these folks are just making stuff up <laughs> on us now. Wet river stones is like what is a as opposed to dry river stones. But right. yeah. what's the weirdest flavor you've gotten a beer spikery like this is going to sound crazy, <laughs> but yeah. so funny. Every time I do a radio show, it brings me back. So Owen Ogletree and I did a a radio show. Um, you know, he does a Classic City Beer Festival. He doesn't yeah, anymore, right. but he, yeah. Classic City Beer Festival. This probably was. 12, 14 years ago, and we're sitting on the radio, and the beer gets passed around. I don't remember what the beer was. And then, of course, all guns turn to me, and they're like, Spike, what do you think? And I'm like, tastes like wet basement. Because when <laughs> I was a go. kid, right, when I was a kid, we had a basement that would flood a lot. And you just got that stone, musty kind of basement, and it, yeah. it tasted like wet basement. You can't erase that from your childhood memory. You know right. exactly when you smell that what that is. And I said, "Yep, wet basement." <laughs> now I I gotta say the 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 river rock or whatever the river stone. I did spend a lot of time as a kid fishing trout streams in eastern Oregon, right. and I can kind of smell yeah. river yeah, stone you can get or it. the I, the 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 quality of stone and water and uh, the the quality of when when it rains after it hasn't rained a while and it's evaporating off of concrete. And stone. I get it. I get it. I know oh, what yeah. that. I yeah. know what that smells like yep. and what that Petrichor? might taste like. I think is isn't that that after the rain smell is petrichor yeah yeah, yeah. so what, so I lived in in New York Finger Lakes region of New York for a few years and every now and then I'll catch a whiff that smells like the Finger Lakes region of New York in the fall and it's like that it just hits and I'm like this just takes me back to Auburn New York yep yeah and just right there I'm like this is exactly what that moment in time smelled like 
that's kind of cool. I it, think that's it's better cool. than those trees in Georgia. I'm not even going to say what they oh, smell yes. like, but yeah, those yeah. trees, yes. Those trees. Oh, those oh, trees. You mean yes. uh, ginkgo trees, which downtown Athens is littered with. I don't know yeah. what they're called, but um, as, we'll save that for another uh, radio show. As, I think as, that, as, as an <laughs> Auburn horticulturist, I would have chosen different trees. That's right. Horticulture. As, I, I will say that the nice thing about whenever those things are pollinating, I'm usually so stuffed up I can't smell them You're too right. well either. So when people talk about yeah. the aroma of uh-huh. I have occasionally from the air conditioning vents, Detected interesting aromas when yes. it's pollen season. I don't care for it. Right. Let me just tell you. I, I think the, the most interesting flavor someone's ever used to describe a beer, and I've never forgotten it because it was so insane when I first heard it was. And I won't mention who, who, who used the term, but they called the beer horse blanket. Oh, oh yes. No. Yeah, yeah, totally common. Horse blanket. And I know, yeah, I know yeah. probably it's been tossed around a couple times, oh, yeah. but when I heard it back in 2014, I just literally yeah. just like... Yeah. Looked up in the clouds and said, wait, really? Is this what we're calling it? Yeah, wet horse, horse blanket, yeah. hay, yeah. Yeah. You know, another, barnyard. Sure. Another thing that brings out those flavors is like funky French cheeses. Oh, yeah. Like I had a, there's a Epoise, Epoise. which is a very funky, soft cheese. Like it's soft enough if you cut it and it goes to room temperature, it'll be like a, a cheese sauce on the Uzi. table. But I got the farm animal. Was it not... Horse blanket, not right, this right, right. taste animal to yeah, me. And I'm like, if you say that about a cheese, people are going to think you're crazy. Right. But I'm like, this is delicious. Yeah. You know, <laughs> these, these complex flavors in this. But yeah. was it Chad Jacobson from Crooked Stave that didn't like oh, yeah. those names? He didn't I, like horse blanket or yeah. barnyard really? or cheesy. He's like, those yeah. are the, the worst feeny. descriptors. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes all of those are... Uh, Desirable characteristics, and sure. I yep. think it's in like in cheese, as you were saying, ammonia to a certain extent, uh, without is, a doubt, is yeah. enjoyable and yeah. desirable, yeah. but it can go too far really uh, quickly. Actually, by, by the way, shout out to Chad Jacobson. That was our first collaboration beer we ever did here. It was with, with, oh, with, was it? With, okay, with, cool. With, with Crooked yeah, Stave, yeah. nice. We brewed a beer called Crooked Brave. It was uh, a New England IPA, and uh, <laughs> turned out delicious. That's awesome. I like the name of that, Crooked Brave. Oh, yeah, I went. It was many years ago, I went out to Denver, and they had a tasting room at The Source out there. Do you ever make it out there to sp- Spike to The Source in Denver? I'm not sure. I don't think they're there anymore. I think okay. it's a new Belgium tasting room there now. But okay. that was the first time I discovered that they did beers that weren't wild beers, that they had an IPA and a stout and all this stuff that I just didn't, I didn't know. Because what we got out here was just all of the wild stuff in mm-hmm. that, so... That's what people were chasing down at the bottle shares. You know, they and, were. And yeah. that's probably a great segue to like, what are people drinking today? Right? So, what holy cow, like, you know, we're talking about these 22 ounce bombers, right? And then the crooked staves of the world, the cascades mm-hmm. of the world. I mean, where are those beers now? You I know, remember when Belgium? Yeah, that's a when really Belgian cool. beers. Yeah. Belgian yeah. beers were huge 10, 15 years ago. It was yeah. nuts. Sure. Like, we couldn't get enough Belgian ales. And now it's just like, what are people drinking? Well, you know, we talked about it, and, and again, just using Georgia because this is where we've experienced the growth over the last 20 years or yeah. so, but we started our show in 2016, and there was like 45 breweries in the state. Correct. And, yeah. you know, we were drinking 10, 15 years before that, and at that time, if you were into craft beer, Belgian beer was going to be a big part of that. Without a doubt. Because yeah. you, like in Georgia, we seriously at that time had, what, half a dozen breweries maybe? Something like that. Back, like that, yeah. You know, like that, Dogwood, sure. we had the Red Brick and yep. stuff. Um, so Belgian beer was a big part of it. But then, and I love that we've had so much growth. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. the Belgian beer, I don't reach for it as often as I used to just because we've got a lot of those local beers like well, we Well, two about. breweries I, I back then were starting as a Belgian brewer. They were, yeah. yes. right? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. that's how big it was. I think Belgi- right? in Belgian beers, I think, were also the, kind of the original gateway beer into craft beer. Sure. Very much so. Because sure. yeah. I think IPAs yeah. were a little intimidating right. and overwhelming. So a lot of hop characters, a lot of bitterness, whereas the Belgians come in a little bit sweeter, a little more candy-like, and then, honestly, yeah. you, you well, drink them and they go down just like, water, they're well, so good. You think about, like, Blue Moon, that's a Belgian wit, basically, sure. and yeah. that's what most people 
credit as being their first quote-unquote craft beer, right. which I, is debatable you can call it that, but it did get them in the door, and they started looking around. Maybe they looked at, uh, you know, Allagash uh, White. Oh, without Maybe they went other beer. places, and then they expanded from there, but that got them in the door. Yeah. So, yes, Belgians, uh, when I, I used to go to uh, uh, bars back in the day, and it was like domestic and imports, I was always excited about what the imports were. Sure. Like, if they, if they were, you know, Corona or whatever, I'm like, okay, fine, fine. But I was always like, I kind of hope I hope I see a Belgian on there, because yeah. those are exciting. Those, right. are, those are the fun, those are the dangerous ones. Mysterious, so much carbonation, you know? But, uh, yeah, we're, we're at a different spot. We're... Uh, I think we're we're going crispy with everything, aren't we? Like fruity and crispy. I don't have crispy. a problem with that. I, yeah. You know, I, and I think we are going crispy, and I, I don't have a problem with that either no. at all. Because I love lagers, but I will, I will say just to hit on that point. Um, so this last year, we we did a, a couple different throwback beers for the Terrapin anniversary party. Yep. And all the beers turned out phenomenal. And the, the one beer that sold out the quickest um, at our brewery in a tap room was uh, was the uh, Monk's Revenge. Yeah. It was okay. a Belgian IPA, and yep. I, thought oh, the beer, right. I thought the beer turned out f- fantastic, and I yeah. was super happy with it. But it surprised me, you know, probably was it two or three weeks later that we were looking at our tap wall, and it was like we were completely out of it. And it, it had outsold some of the other beers, whether they were, you know, a throwback double IPA or the, you know, uh, Soundcheck Pilsner. It kind of perked up my ears a little bit. I was like, Wait, maybe people do get excited about Belgians. It's just they just haven't had a lot of them thrown their way recently. And yeah. uh, when I feel like if you if you truly love Belgian beers and it's such a fun inviting style, uh, you know, if you if you get one thrown your way every now and then, you, it kind of reinvigorant, you know, reawakens your your love and passion for Belgian beers. You're like, wait a second, yeah. I love this. This is yeah. great. And there's so much room in, for expansion and growth with, with Belgian flavors. And it was yeah. probably six months ago or so we did a Belgian beer show, and the it was a good excuse for us to revisit all those Belgian beers we loved. I'm like, it just. We just haven't got to them because there's so much local stuff going on. But absolutely, you know, yeah. Spike. I'm gonna yep. t- I'm gonna talk about. We have two pitchers of beer. Another thing you don't see very often anymore, but we have two pitchers, pitchers of, of beer. beer, and these are special in that they it's the same beer. Yep. Two different yeasts. Correct. And we're they're super secret yeast, but we've yep. got a C yeast and an M yeast here. Correct. That we're drinking. Yep. And okay, so I have drank the M beer. Okay. Yep. I like it. It's good. Okay. It's good beer. Yep. The sea beer, the first thing I noticed is I think the aroma is a lot more dank. With, without a doubt. One, so. I think, I think, so, so let me just tell the audience what, what our little experiment here is. So, uh, speaking of crispy boys and pilsners and just crisp beers, I want to do uh, a little rice beer. So, um, back in the day in 2002, my first beer that I ever did professionally was Rye Pale Ale. One best pale ale in the country, 2002, right? So every time I do a collaboration or something special, I always kind of sprinkle a little rye in the beer. So, so what I wanted to do here was make a rice lager, right? And I put in about 5%, 4% rye as well. So what I'm calling this... Oh, so our rice with a Y in there. Correct. Oh. So this is a, an American R-Y-C-E rice lager, uh, um, acutely named Rice Rice Baby. Um, <laughs> of course. How could it be anything else? So what we did here is we used two different um, we used two different yeast strains, and we just wanted to start playing with some different yeast strains. But it's only three point eight percent ABV. Uh, just this nice little rice lager. And, and, and like, you're, like you said, I, I, I think the sea yeast, we'll call it, uh, is a little bit more estery. Um, I'm getting a little sulfur profile out of it. Uh, I think the mouthfeel is a little bit bigger on this one. It finished a little higher. But it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, and being a brewer and just, you know, and geeking out, it's all about experimentation, right? So let's brew one beer. But, hey, let's split the beer in half and do two different yeasts just to see where you, what you get. That's a great idea, and it's it couldn't be more apparent how much yeast has has an effect on the finished Without product. Without a doubt. It's, uh, I, th- I think I favor the C one. I, I, yeah. I fully expect it to be on the other camp, but having had it, a couple of sips off the C one, I'm like, I think they're both really good. They're see? both good, but I got to... And I, I think I'm to, on Team M. I yeah, think I'm, I'm on, on Team, team M, M, too. Yeah. It's... Um, it finished so it finished a little drier, and at three point eight, this was for me. I wanted it to be super refreshing, super crushable. Um, both of them definitely have two different characteristics, which I both like. 
but you know, uh, as today is 105 degrees, 90 percent humidity. Right. I'm going. I'm going Team M on this. Team and, M. and I'm with Brian on this one. I would have thought to go with the dryer yeah. uh, logger, and yep. for some reason, just a little bit more Play-Doh, a little bit more extract. You get yeah. just a little bit more body. And then Halicon plays off the East character. I, I kind of prefer the C1 as, as well. Right. But get, again, it, until you do the experiment, you never truly know. And, and that's, the, that's the amazing thing about brewing and, and, and experimenting and trying new things is that you, your preconceived notions can be thrown out the window real quickly. This is definitely one that, that, that pays to try ahead of time because what you think is not what you really are going to enjoy at the end. Because if, if they were both in the board and I had to order one or the other, I yeah. would have ordered the other one. And I, right. I think... I would have been fine with that. Right. I think I'd be happier with this one. So it's just, it, that's interesting. Well, and, and that's the beauty about, you know, having this Atlanta brewery here at the Battery. Granted, if I wanted to do something like this at the mothership up in Athens, that's 100 barrels at a time. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. So this is where I have the most fun playing because it's five barrels. You know, we can crank out two five-barrel batches and just let people try them and enjoy them and, and yeah. you know I don't know why I mean you you guys might taste things differently than I do and that's the beauty about making sure. beer just because I like something that I've made I'm hoping the general public will love it as well but you just never know what people are really after and what the, what the big flavor profile is and I'll tell you one thing that's fun is I'm going to say fun that's the word I'm going to use is like looking at the yep. untapped yep. and seeing someone that just maybe they just don't like that style you know that they all day long. You see that a lot. The one star. I don't like IPAs. Then don't drink IPAs. Right. Or like don't oh, drink this, an IPA. This Kolsch would be great if it was fifty BUs. Yes. I mean, really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love. I love it when they say I'm giving this a three and a half, which is my five point rating for a pilsner. And I see that. And I'm like, you don't <laughs> that's understand not the way this works. That's not how it works <laughs> no, at all. No, no, no. Like it's, <laughs> it's that you're. I know that uh, you can compare the the beer from different styles together against ratings, but they're, yeah. they're in different they're in different categories. So this you compare it to other beers in the category. Sure. Right. You don't compare it to the yeah. pastry stout you had, which you probably like more, and you obviously did because you gave that a five. That's a but, whole can of worms there. Right? Yeah, guys. Yeah. Before I forget, let me yeah. do our beers of the week. We want to thank our friends at the Nest for sponsoring this segment every single show. The Nest. Barbecue beer, downtown Kennesaw, Georgia. Those are two great things that go great together, Brian. They are. So you need they to go check are. it out. Hit them up on a Tuesday, Wednesday trivia. They're going to do a lot of fun. They may do some music bingo there. They've got a gorgeous patio. It may be a little too hot right now for patio action, Brian, but it's going to be a, a great there. place. Fan, maybe some mist in that. Yeah. Uh, they've got a nice fireplace for when it cools off, so that they would do, be a good yes. place to get to. But thanks to our friends at the Nest. Our beers this week, so we are at a beer festival. So we went out. Spike, what was your favorite that you tried out there from the other breweries? Ooh, wow. Um, uh, you know, was it, well, uh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I tried a bunch. So I'm, I'm yeah, trying to think. Yeah. Um, Admit it at, was the gummies. Uh, <laughs> the gummies. No, actually, uh, because it's uh, almost October, not really, but kind of. Uh, Reformation's uh, Oktoberfest is pretty nice. Okay. Yeah, gotcha, so that's gotcha. what I'm looking for right now Alrighty. is some some German lagers. But they were they were super. Actually, that's what I'm drinking right now is our Oktoberfest. But that's nice. what. Uh, yeah, I thought they did a solid job. Cool, cool. Chad, how about you? What was your favorite from the other brewers out there? I'm gonna go with uh, Bearded Iris Pep Talk. Okay. The, good. Uh, good. Th- that lager was really hitting the spot. Good nice. stuff, man. Cr- it was cr- crisp, dry, had a little bit of a cracker finish. I thought it was really refreshing. Nice. And I enjoyed Double Basement from Scofflaw. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed that, which for me is kind of surprising because not really my go-to style. But I thought that was really good. That was really nice. Brian, what's your favorite that you've tried I probably agree with you on Double Basement, though. I did not try Pep Talk. I've had it before. I know I like it a great deal. And that's a Bearded Iris one. Awesome. Uh, But, uh, yes. Some of the other beers, as we mentioned, we've got some vintage Terrapin here. We had a 2015 Tiramisu. We've got a 2016. I believe this is a tart, Tart Cherry Wake and Bake. Yes. Right here, coffee, oatmeal, imperial stout with some tart cherry in it. 2016 and, uh, for that one. We will get into the cinnamon rolled wake and bake right before we wrap things up. But uh, that's our beers so, of the week. A little bit of trivia for you guys. Oh, yes. I believe this year marks the 20th anniversary of Wake and Bake. Wow. Is it really? That is yeah. Cool. Oh. yeah. You Crazy. know, something we enjoy doing, Spike, you have the Wake and Bake Offs. Yeah. That, you know, that's yeah, a cool thing to cool talk stuff. about is uh, different restaurants get together with you. They use Wake and Bake in a recipe, 
and then nerds like me or L. Sharpton or sure. Reed Ramsey with Beer Street Journal, yep. we get the privilege of coming and trying all these and, and picking a winner for that. If and you can so, eat that much food, absolutely. It's, we can. You, yeah. we totally <laughs> can. Spike. We've been you training can. for this yeah, right. our entire uh, lives. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's a lot of fun. Good, uh, great beer too. Have you considered that with any of your other beers? Uh, you've, you've you've had like Muhu, like you could yep. do Muhu. You could do uh, I don't know Hopsecutioner. Uh, see what you could do there because I think I don't are, think that's as food friendly. Yeah. Hopsecutioner isn't. I think yeah. the chefs could probably do something with that. I think that we might not see no, it as food friendly. I think you're wrong. You do? Yeah, you're wrong, Brian. Moving on. All right, if you're a chef, <laughs> let me know that I'm right. Yeah, Tim yeah. is wrong. Because Tim said you had no creativity. I believe oh, that's what no, I heard him no. say. You'd be putting words in my mouth, <laughs> yeah. Brian. That's, Spike, we want to talk a little bit about your travels, man. You do a Ooh. lot of travels. You go all around. Do. Most recently, you've been in Canada with yep. a, a little malt fun up there. Is that right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll back up just about three months ago. I was actually in New Zealand and Australia. Okay. Uh, I'll shout out to Owen Ogletree. He puts on a great beer trip. It used to be once a year. I think he's doing like two these days. Uh, and we were out in New Zealand cruising around, having some great beers. And then I went to Australia. I was in Melbourne and then uh, and Tassie, Tasmania, uh, for hop selection and looking at some hops. And then last night, I just flew in last night about 9 p.m. And I was in uh, Calgary, Alberta, and uh, looking at the malt harvest. So we were up looking at the elevators and uh, the malting facility from Canada Malting. Um, so it's just, it's just to me, it's 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 just a, a fantastic way to come and look at your raw materials, right? Yeah. And you know, it, it's kind of too late when you get a bag of malt or a box of hops at your brewery and you open it up and you're like, well, what the hell is this, right? So that's why us as brewers, we go out to selection, we go out to hop selection, and we pick our hops. We go out to harvest, right, and look at our barley and see what's going on and all that. You know, because at the end of the day, it is the ingredients that you use to make the best beer you possibly can. What do you do at Hop Selection? I, I've always wondered this. I want to go do this with somebody, okay. yep. and I'm curious, what what are you doing when you go there? Yeah, so, so basically we deal with about four to six hop purveyors. So let's just say I go to Haas. You know, we go, we go to the farm. And uh, if the company needs, and I'm just throwing out numbers, if we need 50,000 pounds of Cascade, they will put probably six to eight different lots on the table. And these aren't pellets. These are whole leaf hops. And they will rub them. We will smell them. And then basically we will pick the lots that we like the best. Right? So sometimes it gets a little tricky because if one of the lots that we really, really like is 28,000 pounds, which now we need another 12,000 pounds to make up for that. So we have to pick another okay. one to blend in, right? So it all depends. But that's the beauty of going over there because you want to control what your hops or what your malt tastes like and acts in your beer. So if I like my West Coast IPA more danky, right, somebody else likes their West Coast IPA a little bit more fruity or pear-like, they're going to pick a totally different hop than I'm going to pick to put in that beer to get to where yeah. their beer needs to taste like. Do you do that thing that I'm seeing on social media a lot in the past week where you actually put hops in your beer or like in some other beverage and drink it that way, like fresh hops in your beer? Because I've seen three or four pictures of people talking about this is the best time of the year and just pictures of beer with, with like whole hop cones. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. So you don't do that? Uh, is that I mean, just... do, you, do you put ketchup on your steak? Well, no. Yeah, okay. But. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. For me, it's like... Are what you did, equating hops with ketchup right no, now? <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm equating to what the brewer wanted you to take, right? Like, yeah. this, is my, this is my fest beer offering. If you have to add more hops or more malt character to this beer, I messed up and didn't do a good job. I hear that would right. be really good if it's randled through a pumpkin pie. Yeah, without yes, a doubt. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> randled through an actual pumpkin Yes, yeah. straight through it, man. Straight I, through it. I tend to think about it more, <laughs> more or less. It's just kind of like a fun thing to do. And in my home brewery days in college, I, I remember absolutely getting a, a whole cone hop and tossing one in my IPA, and just for the fun of it. Now you thought you were the I, coolest. I don't. Right? I don't recommend chewing on that hop cone at the yeah. end of your beer. But hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of fun. So it's maybe if you rub them together to get them oils out and just 
splatter them in. Exactly. Yeah, hey, yeah. Well, well, there's, uh, without risk, there is no reward. Yeah. You got to try things right, they yeah. want every now and then. Fair points. Dice, Fair points. Honestly, and God rest his soul, Burt Grant used to do that. So Burt so. used to take a little hop oil and, and add it to his beer. And uh, to tra- I remember when the CBC was in Atlanta, I think it was 98 or 97, I had the pleasure to hang out with Burt Grant and watch him taste beer and talk about beer. So it was pretty fantastic. But, yeah, he used to do the same. See, oh, I, enjoy, I enjoy playing around a little bit with beers and stuff. And I've got, I've got a buddy in Fort Worth, Texas. Shout out to Stan and his brewery, Neutral Ground Brewing Company. But one of their flagships is a king cake beer. Oh, yeah. And they'll yeah. take the multicolored sugar and rim the glass with that and then put the beer in there, you know, a little presentation thing. And I am a fanboy of Micheladas. I, yep. I love the Michelada. Okay. We were here for Wake and Bake Off one time, and they had a Michel- They were doing a Michelada in Bloody yep. Mary Bar. Yep. Still one of the greatest memories of my life. Right. So, <laughs> but, uh, so I dig that. Rim the glass with some salt or, or some tahini or something like yeah, that. You know great. what Stan's missing out on? He needs a cube on a, uh, a toothpick of, of king cake that sits in the beer or yeah. sits above the beer that you get to dunk in the beer when you drink the beer. So you get the king cake beer like and a cube Burial does cake. with the donut holes yes. in their yeah, yeah. skillet yeah. style. Yes. 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 He's missing out. Stan, if you're listening. Get you, you some to, king cake, get Stan. You some yeah. king cake. Get you yeah. some king and, cake. And honestly, beer is about fun. Let's sure. be honest. Beer yes. is about oh, fun. Yeah. And if you want to make a Fruit Loop upside down cherry surprise cake, go ahead. I will yeah. try it. You know, absolutely. So, I, you know... I. Don't get me wrong. My personally, my favorite beers to do are styled beers. Like if I'm trying to yeah. brew an alt beer, I want to brew the most fantastic alt beer I possibly can, or a Kolsch, or a, a, a Fest beer, if you will. But look at look what we just drank. We drank cherry, the traditional uh, tiramisu style, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So <laughs> with, with tart cherries, yes. I get it all. But when I, when I walk up, if I'm going to a new brewery or a new brew pub. First thing I'm going for is a Kolsch beer or a Pilsner or a Hellas. Because you can't hide behind those beers, right? So if you can pull those off, then I'm like, okay, I'll try your Hazy. I'll, I'll try your, you know, your Banana Stout and all that kind of stuff. But I want to yeah. try, I, I try the Emperor without its clothes on. And yes. I yes. don't <laughs> think... That's, wait, wait, that's the soundbite we're out. cutting out of the show. <laughs> we are definitely that's grabbing the one. that one. Uh, you know, and just because I really like your double coconut peanut butter upside down style, sure. doesn't mean I don't realize your Kolsch is a phenomenal example of the style. Without too. a doubt. So, yep. because I can sit down and really enjoy that, but I mean, I can enjoy dessert in a glass Agreed. every now and then too, totally you know? Agree. So, yeah. we had, I don't know if enjoying it would be the right word to use here, but uh, Modus Brewing uh, did a Hormel chili cheese beer. Oh. <laughs> they did a collaboration with wow. Hormel and did yeah. a chili cheese beer, and I drank it. And I'm like, guys, you absolutely nailed this. And I never want to drink it again. You know, it's like, yeah, this is exactly what you're going for. I here, know that right? feeling. I know that feeling. Having pioneer, having brewed a beer that was exactly like that. Yeah. Tomato basil saison. Yeah. Many people said you nailed what you're going for. Right. I'd never want to drink it again. Yeah, I loved it. I, you know what? So the Hormel chili beer. It was acceptable. I, it was no, yeah. it wasn't. You're wrong you know, again. It, that's twice you've been wrong in this <laughs> show, Brian. That's twice. It was man. acceptable, but yes, it yes. was. It yeah. was very much chili cheese and alcohol. And right, it was. Yeah. So I do want to try that ego thing that just yes, came out. Yeah, I went yeah. looking for it, yeah. and I have not been able to find it yet. Yeah. I have ideas for it. Yeah. So. Well, stay tuned. What for was that. the other one we talked about, Brian? There was the Ego, and then there was another one that we oh we found out. I'm forgetting, but there was I something else they did too. crazy with. Spike, have you had Malort? Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I, Chad, have you done Malort? Okay, yeah. yeah we were it went, went, went in Chicago. Yeah, we were actually, talking yeah. Malort the which, other yeah. day, which so. is interesting. Was I, I thought Chartreuse was like, kind of the obscure alcohol from Chicago a couple years ago, but I think now Malort's well, yeah, now Malort. more popular. Chartreuse isn't isn't from a Chicago thing, you know? That's uh, that's those are monks from Europe. Oh, That's okay. like a super old recipe. I had that completely wrong then. <laughs> Malort just Malort embraces. Oh the, yeah, the, like they put out some posters last week. It's like Malort. Tonight's the night you fight your dad. <laughs> you know, different stuff like. Now there's one that wasn't sanctioned by them. Right. Make a note of this timestamp, Brian. I'm gonna have to censor this. Okay. But it's like Malort. These pants aren't gonna themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Malort, the worst thing you've ever put in your mouth. Yeah. No. That, yeah. There's like four of them, man. They, 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 again, they embrace it. They put it out there. And have you guys considered getting a Malort barrel and aging any of your beer? 
Uh, no, but uh, thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> microphone did that. Did you know that did, microphone did, did a really? Malort barrel aged beer? They yeah. did. They did. Yeah. Speaking of beer trends, Chad, and all the crazy stuff going on, two of the things I've seen a lot, and I know you've mentioned you've worked with them, Phyllized Yeast and Phantasm. What, what is Phantasm exactly? So we have actually been, been trying to procure some Phantasm. <laughs> we haven't actually brewed a beer with it yet, but from everything I've kind of read and, and, and heard from other brewers, it's essentially they, they've taken um, the grape skins from Sauvignon Blanc grapes or some kind of white grape um, out of Australia or New Zealand and yep. have extracted essentially the, the flavor thiols out of that and that's what you're using as a kind of a, a supplementary aid to your brewing process whether it's you're adding it to the whirlpool or dry hopping into it but it's adding adding a, a flavor you wouldn't normally ever get from from traditional hops or, or from from anything else so now spike you mentioned want to do a sauvignon blanc inspired beer is yeah. that going to be utilizing phantasm when well you i haven't done it so so, true story, my first order of Phantasm should be coming in in, in about a week or so. Uh, when I was out in New Zealand, I was actually able to go to Garage Project and talk to those guys who developed Phantasm. So, um, so th- yes, I've been kind of messing around uh, making a beer that tastes very, very similar to a Sauvignon Blanc. And the first one we did, um, you know, we, we throw the, the hops in the, in the mash, right? You're just basically trying to produce as much thiols as you can to make this yeast strain produce these special characters that it throws off. Um, let's, and let's call them flavor molecules for people who aren't All sure right, about right. thiols. So the second one we did, we actually added some um, white grape, grape juice concentrate. That was pretty fun. So the third iteration that we're going to do is that we're actually going to use some Phantasm. So it's just trying to manipulate a beer to taste like something that it's not, right? So trying to make a beer taste like a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. So what would the end resulting profile be? Will it be highly carbonated? Will it be lowly carbonated? Will it have... Like, what are we looking at in terms of ABV? When you, if, you, if you nail it, yep. what do you think it's going to end up? I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's still beer. Right. Yes. I don't want to give every anybody the wrong uh, interpretation that it's not beer. So it'll probably be carbonated at two five five, two six, but it's a lager, right? And it will just have all those deep pear, bright citrus notes that you get out of a Sauvignon Blanc. And that was beautiful when I went out to New Zealand this year. I was able to try a buttload of. Uh, the Sauvignon Blanc. So it was really, really fun. So it's just something new that I can use in my toolbox, right? So, you know, brewing beer since 1992, um, you know, there hasn't been that many things to make your beer taste different or raw materials that are going to get you better flavors or more you know, efficiency in the brew house. But now we've got like these thialized yeast strains, right, that make pineapple flavors and mango flavors and Sauvignon Blancs and now you've got liquid hops that you can dry hop and you can save two, three, five barrels of beer every time you knock out, right? So there's so much thing, there's so many things on the horizon that for me is very, very exciting uh, in the brewing world that we're actually seeing these hop companies and malt companies and yeast companies make that we can just play with, right? So if we're not creative, we're stagnant. So I think everything that's coming out now is just another thing that I could pull out of my toolbox and go, hey, I want to do something that tastes like a pineapple porter. Okay, well, I can use this yeast that gives off these styles that taste like pineapple, put it in a porter, and go from there and just see what you get. I'm interested you know? in that. Yeah. I'm yeah. interested in a, in a porter with a little pineapple. Without it, I, I mean, would drink why that. Not? Yeah, let's why do not? it. Let's do it. Yep. Now, talking about newer styles, and I don't know if it's even new anymore, Brian, the cold IPA. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, is that on new. tap yeah. yet now, Spike, or is it? Okay, it is. Chad's nodding, so yeah, it's yeah. called just a bit outside the perimeter. If you're in Atlanta, you get that joke. If you're not, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, so a cold IPA collaboration with Reformation Brewing. Is that right, Chad? Correct. Yeah. So, And that's tasty, man. I enjoyed it. I love one of my favorite things in craft beer is making fun of things like the cold IPA. I like to go to a brewer that's done one and go, that's just an IPL. Yeah. And they right, just right, and right. they just get worked up. No, yeah, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. So, and that's like the West Coast Pilsner that's out now. I'm like, that's just an IPL. Just an IPL. You know, I'm just gonna say everything's an IPL. IPL. I just you know? prove yeah. to me it's not an IPL. That right. porter, Imperial Pineapple. Why is that not, yeah. 
low cow porter yeah. IPL. <laughs> IPL, so, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the fun things about the cold IPA style is it's it's so much up to interpretation. And yeah. I think there's honestly, there's nine ways to skin a cat. There's yeah. nine different ways to make a cold IPA. And everyone I've ever talked to has had a different definition for it. And that's, to me, this makes it even more kind of fun and hysterical. Because it's just like, yeah. it's just yeah. what, what you're interpreted in your own mind of what you think it should be. And like I said, in brewing, there's a lot of different ways to get to get things done. Um, and uh, it's it's all about how you interpret that way of creating that character, whatever you're trying to think of what a cold IPA is. <laughs> I have decided that the uh, the cold IPA is really just a hoppy California common, too. That's my, that's my new decision Wow, he's on wrong three times. I, I know, he's program. really stacking them right. up, isn't yeah. he, Spike? Wait, gosh. what was I wrong before? I, I, you know, honestly, I would, I would have to say it's a, it's a hoppy malt liquor is what it is. <laughs> See? Okay, you, you know, fair enough. If you, you know what, I'm never, I'm never not going to side with malt liquor, so you're, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Always, you're absolutely right. Always bet on malt liquor. <laughs> always, right. every right. time. I mean, I can you imagine if Billy D. Williams came out of retirement? Oh, right, man. and he heard me Let's say that. Oh, yeah. Colt forty-five, right? Yes, the cold IPA. Wow, <laughs> Colt forty-five, cold IPA. Oh, absolutely. If See, he I, said it, I I'll would be. You, I'd believe it. I tell you what, I did about a month ago, Spike. I, I took a little trip down memory lane, and I, I enjoy. There's a few macro loggers I love. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Genesee would be considered a macro. They're just a regional craft, maybe. I, I've never. Are they the tweener? Yeah. <laughs> what is a Genesee? Breweries like Genesee or Natty Bow. I drank a stuff. lot of what Jenny, you know, yeah. growing up in Connecticut. Uh, yeah. The next morning were the Jenny Screamers, but Jenny that's, screams. that's for yes. another. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I'm not. I'm not afraid of a large macro. I'm. I mean. Everybody knows I'm a High Life fan, and I'll yeah. always be a High yeah. Life fan. Yeah. So. They did do the uh, the collaboration, which makes them with legit the other half. Yeah. yeah, but uh, Jenny yeah. Cream, I like hams. Uh, yeah. I I ran into a four pack of of old style Tall Boys and got those. Oh, gosh, and when I was yeah. out there, they had a sixer of Mickey Big Mouse. Of there. course, yeah. And so I had to grab those. And one time, I shared a Mickey Big Mouth with a horse. So for those <laughs> playing Beer Guys Radio Bingo, you can check That's, that one off. That your box, cards. yes. But I got some, and I iced them down, and the old style was great. Yep. I'm like, yep. this is just, it's beer-flavored beer. Here we go. I made a Midwest Michelada yep. with it, and I enjoyed that. And then I drank the Mickey's, and I turned it up, and I thought to myself, this is horrid, and I regret <laughs> what I have done at this moment in time. I'm like, you know, what I remembered of Mickey's from back in the day is if you drank it ice cold, it was fine. Yeah. But if it got a little warm, it was awful. Yeah. I found that to be untrue, Spike, mm. in, the, in the modern times. So either my palate changed or, or Mickey's did or a little of both. So, I don't know who's making Mickey's now. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know, know where that's at. But. I don't know. So that's it. Yeah, Terrapin's Terrapin, I think. Is I, right. think Chad, yeah, I think Chad so, said he's yeah. making it personally. He makes it in his garage. He right. got it. <laughs> yes. There's a, but no, we thank it's, you for uh, your service, Chad. <laughs> I drank a lot of Old English 800 back in the day. A lot. A OD. Lot, OD. A lot, a lot yeah, of Old E. Of course. Yes. Old English 800, because that's my brand. Yeah. Is, is I'll that, take it in a bottle, 40 quarter a can. Yeah. Okay. Is, I'll just stop. Is, there. is that the one where you take the big hit off of it and you put orange juice in over top of it? Is that uh, oldie? Is the uh, the brass monkey with the orange juice? Am I, I don't am know. I, I never. I never got into that. I was just about. But oldie didn't. Do you remember sixty fours spike? Yeah. Like the the. It's uh-huh. like one of the thumb jugs that you see. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. The, you could get you a sixty four of oldie. I was a big Heffenreffer fan. Heffenreffer? Heffenreffer. 40 yeah. ounces of Heffenreffer, and you would take the cap off, and they would have, like, little puzzles. You know, those okay. visual puzzles, like eye, heart, something. Yes. Like, oh. yeah, Rhesus? Heffenreffer. Rhesus puzzles? Like a Rhesus monkey? puzzle? Not to age anyone, but growing up in the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can growing up in the wow. early two thousand. Wow. If you if you if you knew who Afro Man was, Colt forty five was our choice. Okay, yeah. I did know who Afro Man was. Do 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 do. Champagne. You guys familiar with oh, Champagne? Yeah, I know yeah, Champagne. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yes. That's right. Yes. So they had when I was in my malt liquor days. The one I lived in Northeast Arkansas, kind of the border of Missouri, Missouri Boot Hill, Tennessee ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, Memphis got Santa Ides malt liquor, and oh, gosh, we didn't have yeah. it in Arkansas, so we had to take a trip to get a case of Santa Ides out of Memphis. And I don't know, very few people I've met remember this, but Colt did one called Cool Colt. Does Spike, do you remember Cool Colt? I, I wasn't that cool. Are no. you ready for this? I'm ready. Menthol malt liquor. 
Cool call. I would totally try it. Yeah. Though. Never saw yeah. it, but I would so totally try How it. funny is that? He was like going across state lines to get malt liquor. Yes. I was driving across state lines to get Chimay. So yeah. oh, go figure. Yeah. Back there, this would have been. This would have been very, very late '80s, early '90s for me. Right. So not right. early 2000s, young buck. So that <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. This was a couple of decades before that. But, but, I'm, uh, but, but I'm glad we're talking about. It was I was we were just driving down to um, Lake Martin last weekend to go to the lake for the weekend and having some fun, and we we, we drive right past Lagrange and kind of you're near Columbus, Georgia, and I went to college. I went, went to Auburn. And Ooh, go going, go in the early two thousands. <laughs> if you wanted craft beer, there wasn't really not a whole lot of selection in Alabama, so you had to go across the state, state lines of Georgia. So we'd go to Columbus, and that's where we got our Dogfish Head, our Bells, our yeah, Oscar Blues. Yeah. And I remember making those trips, and it was yeah. like people would ask you, "What are you doing today?" I'm, like, I'm going to Columbus to get some craft beer, and they're like, "What the hell is that? And yeah. why are you doing it?" Yeah. <laughs> when I lived in Arkansas, uh, Arkansas State is in a town, Jonesboro, which I think it's Craighead County, but it's a dry county, so you had to go to the state line, and like the moment you cross the state line, there's like four liquor stores right right there. But that was it; you had to cross into the county line. I mean, a college town. Come on, y'all. Give us a break. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, they just go to the county line. I'm from the Northwest. I never had to really go anywhere to get beer. Like, everybody brewed beer in, in the place I went, and it was just normal. It was, I, I never knew it was different. But when I got here to Georgia, I, I had a hankering for a fat tire, and it was not here. I sure. remember driving up to Chattanooga. I drove across state lines to bring... <laughs> Bring fat, fat tire, tire. Yes. back into Atlanta. It's we're talking, though, we're talking 2004, yeah. 2005. You know, this is going back a ways. But uh, before I forget, Brian, yes. we are currently at the Battery, and you know, our friends from Truck and Tap have a location here, and they have the Taps at Feast, the Feast Food Hall just down there. Chad, have you been down to Feast? Usually once a week. Once. <laughs> a, what's your favorite down there? Uh, ramen. Good. To hit the ramen spot. Good choice. Posse ramen is, is hard to beat. I don't think they have it anymore, but at one time they had squid on a stick. Ooh, that was like yes. an entire squid on a skewer. Fried. And it was fried, it was crispy awesome. and that. I don't think that's there anymore, but they've got like a poke burrito place. And there's several places. There's bubble tea. Bubble tea, yeah, yeah, yeah. But most importantly, there's the taps at Feast right there where you can get some drinks from our friends at Truck and Tap. But, Brian, tell us a little bit more about Truck and Tap. You know, I mean, Feast. It's such a great place to go. Like the the variety of Asian food they have there. They've got the sake. They've got the beer. But uh, you know what? If you decide you're not coming over to the battery for some reason, uh, each truck and tap is different. Uh, obviously, they have different selection of beers on tap. They have a different food truck every day. And uh, so going to one location is not quite the same thing as going to another. So if you've been to one, don't feel like you've seen them all. You've got to check them all out. Uh, so And the thing that sets the Woodstock location apart from the other locations I've talked about recently, Alfred at Duluth and Lawrenceville, is that you can get a beer to go. You can walk up to a window off the sidewalk and grab a beer and just keep walking down the little downtown area. And I did that the last time I was in town, not because I needed a beer for walking around. <laughs> it's because they do that, and I wanted to do that. So I think that's a, a, it's a wonderful thing. you you got to go check that out. It, it's an enjoyable, you know, Honestly, Woodstock is kind of a, a fun little destination area if you're in the Atlanta area and you haven't been up there in a while. Go over there and hang out. You can do a lot of great things, but you definitely want to ch- stop in Truck and Tap. It's hot out there. You're going to want to sit in from, you know, get in the shade, get in the, some cool air, uh, check it, check out what they have on tap. they got 20 different taps, and they got a food truck, and uh, you'll be ready to go. So you can, you can sit in and grab something to go. Truck and, tra- truck and Tap in Woodstock is a pretty much perfect location. It's a place to, to be. To That's enjoy fun. beer, yeah. It is, man. It is. Yeah. And, you know, Brian, I also want to thank our friends at Terrapin Brewery Atlanta for being a sponsor of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Awesome place. We're having a great time here. We started we off are. with some barbecue from Fox Brothers. We had wings. I had, Brian, you know what I had? I'm going to tell you what I had. What did you have? I had a uh, a portobello mushroom, like a smoke made like barbecue. It right, was delicious. Yeah. I had some of the green beans. You had green beans, too, but yours... Yours look more like pulled pork with like one my, green bean. My green beans were were a lot of pork, pork yeah. with bean. I, yeah, I do pork like and that. beans. Yes. pork and bean. That's pork it. And but bean. you know, hey. it was great. Look, get you a mushroom sandwich if you're feeling that. Get you some pork and green beans. Get you some chicken wings. And you know what? No matter what you get, Terrapin's going to have a beer on tap. 
that is going to pair well with it. We've went through a lot. Spike, you're drinking your fest beers on uh, here. Oktoberfest. Yeah. Oktoberfest is on. We did the M and the C beers here, a little rice lager mm-hmm. with a little rye in there. We've got the Kolsch. I forget the name, Chad. What's the name of your Kolsch? So our, our Kolsch we named after our, uh, our associate brewer. He had a, a daughter recently. Her name is Clara Nell. Clara Nell. I was thinking Clara Bell. I was like, I think... Okay. I don't think that's right. That's and a he, good he, name. And he asked me, he said, like, hey, is it cool if we name it the Kolsch? It's, it's my favorite style. It's my favorite beer. Is it cool if we name it after my, my future daughter? And I said, absolutely. Let's, let's go for let's it. Let's do so, it, man. Let's yeah. do it. But that's there's always something here. They're, the folks here are always so nice, too, Brian. They are. The brewery, we're seriously, again, if there wasn't a window in front of us, we could rush, touch out and reach, and reach out and touch the tanks. The beer's right here on site. You know what? If you don't want to come into Terrapin for some reason... There's a walk-up bar. You can get your beer and That's just walk right. around the battery and enjoy it. There's a lot of great stuff here. So if you don't want barbecue, if you're not feeling barbecue, there's other things to eat. Grab your beer at Terrapin, plastic cups so you can walk around, walk on down to Feast and try Tuck and, Truck and Tap. Two great Beer Guys Radio sponsors. Yes. Post up, you can enjoy them both, and you definitely should. So thank you, Terrapin. <laughs> Thanks, Spike. Thanks, man. Thanks for sponsoring the show. We yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for so, fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we've Thanks had. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah. We appreciate it, guys. We appreciate you joining us. And Chad, we've talked some about uh, Phyllis yeast, and uh, and we've talked about Phantasm and all that. What else are you excited about right now? What are you excited to do? So it's it, to me the, the 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 final frontier is always logger or sorry I was gonna say loggers. Logger, 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 loggers, logger, 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 logger. The final frontier to me is always still gonna be hops. Um, I think that the hop game is always changing. It's always evolving. And one of the things we were, we were talking about earlier was, was hop harvest. And one of the most kind of fanatical, like amazing things about hop harvest is the hop acreage is always changing year to year on which varieties are growing, which varieties are going down, and. It's up to the hop farmers and, and pelletizers to really coordinate that, that, that harvest window. Yeah. And it's, it's a work of art. It's an intricate dance of how they decide to harvest which cones at the right time and, and which new varieties are growing. And based off that pick and harvest time and, and all the climate conditions going to it, really dictate the flavor profiles of the hops that are coming out that year. So just like how, how wine and the grapes injury are always changing from year to year, to me, as how hops are always changing. So... To me right now, what gets me so excited is always brewing IPAs with, with new hop varieties. Um, I'm always going to be a sucker for Mosaic, and I have a lot of friends who would, who would call me out on that and say, total Chad moves, put throwing Mosaic in another whatever, beer. Whatever, man, whatever. But it's still my favorite, but I think one of the newer hop varieties that gets me excited a lot is Strata. Um, it's been around for a couple years now. I, I, I always get really good sh- tropical strawberry kind of kiwi notes from it. And uh, we're going to be brewing a new beer soon with a new hop variety out of Michigan called Vista. And uh, from what we've been told and been hearing about, it's, it's very similar on the fruity profile um, as far as producing some really good citrus and some, some mandarin and a little bit of blood orange and, and, and a little bit of tropical as well. So I that's love those be, flavors in a beer. Two, yeah, I two, those. To, be yeah. con- to be continued. But, but that's that, going to be a fresh uh, hop beer. Well, fresh shop, but also uh, yes. some pellets there in there as well. Correct. Um, yep. But that, that to me is what always gets me going, and I always get excited about. It. I think Hellas and, and Pilsners are always my, my fallback, fun, drinkable styles. But what gets me going up in the morning is, is, is IPAs and, and all the new nice. hop rides are continually coming out. And I think something that people forget about every now and then is that the craft beer industry is still so young and, and changing. We've only really been in this hop game since the 1990s, and yeah, we're here in 1923, or, or sorry, 2023. Where are we going to be in 2030 and 2040, and what hop varieties are going to be around? And we're like 40, maybe 45-ish right. years into thing. Right. Europe's got like a two, 300-year yeah, head, right, head right. start on we, us. We, we, so. we, we joke about how, how young you know, the United States is compared to European countries. Just, just yeah. wait to see what's going to be happening in the future. I was just reading about a hop variety that they found. I think I want to say it was somewhere in Idaho. Snake River Valley, whatever. I think it was Stan Hieronymus was mentioning it. And they just gave it a name. They identified they were they were collecting specimens that they found growing wild, and they found a hop, a, a hop variety completely different. And they've That's they've cool. just recently given it a name, which means somebody's going to be selling it and growing yeah, it and whatnot. Is. So they're still finding that. And yep. yes, it, we're new in the hop game, but the thing is, is back in historically speaking, there were growers of hops in like New York and places like yeah. that. That went out of business, but their hops—they didn't burn the hops. They, uh, for the most part, just let them go feral. Let and them so do their thing. Yeah, you, you still will find like unusual, unique specimens of hops growing around the U.S. 
Absolutely. that are a throwback to times when people were growing their own, their yeah. own hops on site for the beers they made on site. So. A- absolutely. Yeah. And, and as much as the Pacific Northwest, you know, tends to dominate the hop market because the growing conditions are so good. We're starting to see exactly what you just said. We're starting to see new hop varieties come out of Michigan, New York, a little bit more like historical hop growing sites where they were growing hops, you know, before we ever trailed out west. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's amazing. There's It'll a be uh, fun, there, man. There, Always something. There was, yep, there was no a, doubt. a concert and festival we went to a couple years ago out in Watkins Glen. And um, as we're pulling into the, the, the concert and festival, we look to our side and there's a little tiny mom and pop hop farm. And I'm looking at these vines from this, from my car, and I'm like, "Those are hop hop vines right there." My wife's like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "I know hop vine when I see hop vine." <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. Those are hops. I know. And it, it just reminded me that, to your point, they're, they're still growing them, and they're and they're, they're still going. Um, so even though we, we tend to think that everything's new and, and fun and cool out of the Northwest, it's uh, could be other areas as well. So I don't want to speak out of turn, so I won't say much on it, but I will say that I know New York State is very big on encouraging brewing with new york ingredients and they yep. do a beer fest and they do awards like you said there's hop farms up there and such so new york state is very big on new york state yeah that's cool. beer so be some maybe we can get georgia if we can get i know we've got uh there's attempts at hop farming here see so hot you know I've, I've always been told that going back to my my days in college being in horticulture and trying to grow hops yeah. in Alabama and all my professors looked at me as if I was a crazy person <laughs> they always say you know they grow Idaho you know they grow potatoes in Idaho for a reason why are you trying to grow hops in Georgia or Alabama and I said well I'm not trying to grow them outside put them in a greenhouse keep them cool right. hydroponics Let, let's yeah Bank. let's let's put let's, some lights on them exactly let's control the, the growing conditions that we, we know there's another industry out there they do this all the time sure yes. there's a million varieties great, out there right great harvest let's out of that apply too. this yeah. let's apply the same science to, to hops and see yeah. what happens. Alabama was able to hydroponically produce, I think in the course of one season, three different hop crops. And it, one of them was used by uh, Wild Leap. And, uh, nice. it, it, you know, it, it was a fine beer. I, I didn't stand out as being amazing, but I thought it was, thought it was a fine beer. So I, it's possible to do it in these places. The thing is, is do we have the, is the technology cheap enough to do these hydroponic farms? Because sure. theoretically, yeah. we could grow it anywhere with that. Because they've got it dialed in. They can... They can produce three crops a year of really usable hops. Like Absolutely. Professional. And you, you got to put one foot in front of the other. If you don't ever try it and, and make the attempt, well, then you're always going to be, you know, exactly thinking, right. thinking, thinking, right. thinking what if. You right. miss 100% of the shots you don't take, That's Chad. Right. Absolutely. That is the way it works. Absolutely. Guys, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, what website, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Terrapins out, not your department. Right? I know you're on Instagram. <laughs> yep. I know they're on the socials. I know they got a website, so check them out there. Y'all, take a trip. Come see a Braves game if you're yeah, not if you're it. not coming for any other reason and stop by here. You can get a Terrapin beer inside the stadium if True. you're here for a Braves game. And it's a better deal than a lot of the other beers. That's right. And it's brewed right here, so come check it out, y'all. But Terrapin Brewery Atlanta, Terrapin Beer Company out of Athens, Georgia. Spike Bukowski, co-founder. Chad Martin, head brewer, lead brewer? I forget. All around great guy brewer. Either either or. The man. The man (laughs) is his title. But thanks, guys, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, man. It was a great time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on the show. Yes, absolutely. Y'all, that wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio. Cheers, y'all. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you dig what we're doing here, we would love your support on Patreon. Patreon supporters get cool perks, swag access to our discord server indeed thanks for tuning in have a great week and don't forget to drink local cheers cheers cheers